0: Good morning. I'm glad that you're here with us at Church in the Valley this morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop and I am the administrative pastor here and we are glad that you decided to join us as we continue on in our relationships at the box office message series. In this series, um, what we've been doing is revealing some of the major or minor themes that are found in some of the summer's blockbusters. And taking a look at those themes and seeing what the Bible has to say about them. Um, we we actually absorb just a, a lot uh, from the media, from movies, from TV shows, different things that we're watching. We just absorb the ideas and the themes that are coming at us. Just ask my kids, my five-year-old, three-year-old two-year-old, who Lightning McQueen is or who Dory is. They'll tell you who they are, and then they'll, they'll explain some probably what they thought was funny that happened in the movie. But as they're explaining that, you get the idea. Those ideas that are coming at them, they really absorbed it, and it's the same for us. We absorb those ideas as well. So in this series, we've been taking a look at, at some movies. The first one we looked at was X-Men Apocalypse. And we looked at how pride destroys in that movie. Then we looked at Now You See Me Too. We talked about hiding beneath the surface. We talked about how not revealing who you really are uh, it makes it hard for people to relate to you. And then we looked at Finding Dory. And in that, we we took a look at communication um, and just how how to choose the right words for the right situations. And then we looked at the legend of Tarzan and the manipulation that was found in there and how to combat that manipulation. If you missed any of those messages, you would like, you know, that topic uh, sounds good to you, or uh, maybe doesn't sound good, but it, you resonate with it. Um, you can you can find those messages on our website and go back and listen to them if you'd like. Today we're moving forward in our series and we're taking a look at the secret life of pets. Now this is a it's an animated movie, and what it is, it takes a look at what do our pets do when we're not home so take a look at this this movie trailer i'm max and i'm the luckiest dog in new york because of her come on max i gotta go see you tonight bye goodness. so long mel see you later chloe I got big plans. I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to wait for Katie to come back. Oh, I miss her so much. She's back. She's... Hey, Maximilian. I have some big news. Oh, Max, this is Duke. He's going to be your brother. Chloe, Chloe, I got a bad situation. Katie brought home a psychopath from the pound. I don't even have a bed now. Ah! I'm sleeping on the floor, like a dog. Dukas is ruining our lives. He's rude. It's an emergency. Aw, you little cutie pie. Hey, Max. I'm headed. Max! To- ah! 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 on your own business. Oh, my gosh, what happened to you? Ah! Ah! Wait. Ah! Ah! Did you hear that? Butterfly. 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 Max is missing. We've got to find him. Katie's gonna be worried sick. We had a great thing going. I blame myself. Yeah, me too. I blame you a lot. We'll bust both of you out of here, but from now on, you work for me. Advantage me. Uh oh. Just ignore what just happened. Okay. Come on, Max. Oh. 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 My city. I'll find your friend. We gotta take the secret route. Okay, the secret route was death. Come on. We can find our way home. We are descended from the mighty wolf. We have raw primal instincts. Hi, how are you? That are moments away from leading us home. Is it home that way? Seriously. The secret life. Of pets. Be a good boy, Leonard. So you can see in that movie, it's it's looks it's fun. It looks fun. Um, lot going on. See what the kid the pets do when we're away. In this movie there's there's really two plot lines that are going on. The first is between Max and Duke that we saw there. Max, he's living the good life. He's all he's got one owner to himself, he's doing good, and then she brings home Duke. And all of a sudden he's gotta share the attention. And so you, you see the selfishness in Max that he just wants it all to he wants his owner all to himself. I can relate a little bit. My parents brought home a a baby sister when I was four and a half. I understand what Max is going through there. The other plot is between pets with owners and abandoned pets. And the pets that are abandoned, they are determined to to exact a retaliation against the pets with owners because they don't have owners. And they are going to make the others pay because they have what they want. This idea of selfishness in the movie, it really relates to us because we all struggle with the desire to be selfish. The Bible talks about this in Proverbs twenty two fifteen 15. It says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. The word folly there is written in the original Hebrew language, which the Old Testament was written in. The word folly is Aveleth, I-V-V-E-L-E-T-H. And that word, it really means it's selfishness. So the word folly is selfishness. It's I want what I want. That's what it's talking about there. And you know what? As I was thinking about getting ready for this message, thinking about this verse, I I took a look back on my life and I realized, you know what? I, I am a living example of this verse. Growing up in elementary school, my group of friends we wanted the tetherball courts. That was that's what we wanted to play on. So when the recess bell rang, we would run out there to get the tetherball court and yell, "My court, my court!" Actually, it was I think it was something like tap tap my court, no erases, something like that. Um, but I wanted the court. I wanted to play tetherball. Tether I wanted to be the one who got the court for my friends. I wanted what I wanted. I didn't care if other people didn't get it. I wanted to play. In high school, it was the parking spaces. That's what we wanted. I wanted the parking spot. So you get there early. didn't matter if I accidentally cut somebody off because I wanted the spot. I wanted to get there. And now, sometimes when I go home, I just want a quiet evening at home. Like I said, I have a th- five-year-old, three-year-old, two-year-old, and so I try to set things up and arrange it in a way where we can have a good, nice evening at home and then just chaos happens. All, all of it just shoots my ideal night to pieces. What, what I wanted gets blocked and I get frustrated with the people around me. Not only is this desire inside of us, but it, it's just all around us in the media, in, in, um, in just our daily lives. Social media, it gives us a major platform for being selfish. Now, on all social media, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to be on social media. But you want to be careful with what, what your motive is for posting things. Or just honestly with me, when I'm looking at, at some of the, the social media things that are going on, I see, oh, so-and-so, they got a new job, that's great. You know, so they're on vacation, so-and-so got a new car. Honestly, when I start looking at all these things, it's easy for the selfishness inside of me to start wanting some of the things that they have, that they, that they, they get to do. I think, man, it'd be great to go on that vacation, didn't matter that I was just got back from vacation last week. I, I, I want another one. My heart always has room for more. The media and the movies they also tell us to be selfish. My favorite movie of all time is The Sandlot. Um, that, that's that's my favorite movie. I, I loved it growing up. It's about a group of boys they're playing baseball, and they get into trouble because one of them takes their dad's Babe Ruth baseball and they hit it over the fence. He didn't know who Babe Ruth was. Great baseball player of all time. And they get into trouble. And there's this scene where Babe Ruth shows up to one of them in a dream. And here's what he says to him. He says, remember, kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Follow your heart, kid, and you'll never go wrong. Just sounds so good. Follow your heart. You'll never go wrong. Well, I know my heart. I'd go go a lot of wrong if I just followed what I wanted to do. Some of the world's biggest business leaders tell us to follow our dreams as, as well. Take a look at this commencement speech from Steve Jobs. Here's a quote from it. It says, your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. It sounds good to us to do that, to follow our heart. There's just a part of it that seems seems like it's going to lead us in the right direction. We're told selfishness is the key to success and happiness in life. Choosing to go after what I want, that's how I get what I want out of life. Because who else is going to take care of me unless I do? Let's think about that for a moment. If selfishness is the key to getting what I want, let's, let's run through the scenarios of, of what happens with that. I did an internet search, and In the internet, you know, it's a reliable source um, 7.4 billion people on the earth. That's the population. That the internet is telling us these days. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of desires. That's a lot of people going after their own hearts. Following what they want. So what happens when 7.4 billion people are all going after what they want? It's disorder. It's chaos. Because sometimes my dream is a bunch of other people's dream too. And we're all going after it. We're all trying to get what we want. And just only one person can get it. So a lot of people are hurt and damaged by all going after that one dream, that one goal. I saw this in reality this week. Two of my kids, we, we were at the store and we were, um, they were going on, on couches and playing around. And two of them wanted the same spot on the couch. And they both started walking towards it. And you could, you could see the moment when they both realized, Oh, he's going for that. They're going for that spot too. And they both took off to try to get to the couch first. What happened? Boom. Bumped heads. Hurt. Disorder. Chaos. Happens. Because when we both want the same thing as somebody else, we're going to go after it. We're going to try and get it. And it, it ends up hurting. Both people involved. Sometimes my, my dream, what I want in life, it's just not in line with Reality. It'd be really hard for me to to make it to the NBA because no matter how much I train, how much I I try, I'm still 5'10 and I can't jump. That's just reality. Sometimes choosing to to just go for what I want, it hurts the people around me. It hurts the people around me because I'm I'm so focused on what I'm going on that I'm not taking care of the responsibilities that are going on around me. So choosing selfishness, it looks like it's going to get us what we want. But in reality, it it can hurt the people around us at home. You know, marriage and and having kids has really shown me another layer of selfishness in my heart. All of a sudden, I had I had a wife to consider when I got married and I I had to think about, you know, when I just go to do something, she's going to be wondering where I am. So I need to communicate, hey, I'm going I'm going to do this or. There's stuff to get done around the house, and it's easy to, to keep wa- passing by dishes or, or things and think, you know, when are they going to get to that? Not thinking, hey, you know, I got hands, too. I could do dishes, too. And then the kids, the kids come into play, and, and they want to read a book, and you're thinking, all right, I'm being a great dad. I'm reading a book, and then they go again. So you read it again, and then again. And I'm thinking, we know what happens. We've, we just read this. It's the selfishness comes out of me at work. It's hard to get anything done when people are focused on their own desires, what they want. Because when we're all focused on on trying to position ourselves in politics to get what we want, then then the real needs of the company are, are not getting done. With friends, selfishness it's just it's just gross when we relate to our friends because it's not it's not fun to be around. It's not refreshing to be around. Friends who you're constantly wondering, are they, do they really have my best interests or are they just trying to use me to get what they want? Are they just trying to, to go after it, to get what they want? It looks like selfishness is going to be our golden ticket to get what we want. But it doesn't deliver on its promises. The good news is the Bible has a lot to say about that problem. Humility is actually what gives us the good life that we want. Let's take a look at James 3, 13 through 18 together this morning. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from, down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. in, in this passage, so I want to just take a look at, at and break it down a, a little bit um, easier for us to look at. So verse 13 says, "Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom." This verse it really helps us to understand uh, a few things. One of them is to to understand who should we be getting input on our life from. We should be asking for advice from people who are producing the overall type of life that we want. It makes sense when you say that. Oh yeah, they they have the kind of life that I want. I'm going to go to that person for advice. But it's easy to get caught up in all the messages that that are coming at us from the media, from our friends, from from different places or in marketing. It's easy to get caught up in those ideas and to base our life on it. If I told you, you know, I, you know where I go to get my advice for life? I go to Burger King and Nike. That's, that's my spots for advice on life. You'd think I'm crazy. Like, who is that guy? Why is he going there for advice on life? But you know what? Burger King, they say to have it your way. And sometimes I want to have it my way. That makes sense to me. I'm going to have it my way. But you know what? How to have it my way? I have to go buy something from them to have it my way. And Nike, they say, just do it. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to finally get into shape. I'm going, to, I'm going to go for it. But to just do it, I have to buy their clothes. I have, to, I have to spend money. And so we have to be careful of what sources we're allowing to influence us because there's an agenda behind it. We hear all these messages from companies or TV shows or the movies or the news, and it shapes our view on life. And it can really push us towards selfishness. Because when we're selfish, when we want what we want, and we're going to go after it for for whatever reason, that's valuable to companies. They can make a lot of money off of that person. Um, so we we got to be careful. James 3.13, it also gives us great advice and tells us um, to look at the life of the people that we're getting advice from. So sometimes we, we find like one area that somebody has going for them, and we think, I want that. Maybe it's money, something like that. And so we think, I'm going to read a book by that person. I'm going to go to their seminar. I'm going I'm to really get advice from this person on how to live. But we have to be careful to see the whole life of the person That we're going to for advice because they might have that one thing that we that we want, but the rest of their life could just be a mess. And we don't know it because we're not close enough to see what's their life really like. What is getting the money that I want? How's that going to impact the rest of my life? And then James 313, it also it tells us that the good life is produced by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Humility is the key to getting the good life that we want. It doesn't look like it. It looks like my needs aren't going to get met because I'm focusing on others and and putting their needs ahead of ours. But it's the key to getting the good life that I want. And look at what the rest of James has to say about that. It says, but if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. ...or deny the truth, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil evil practice. So the wisdom it, it, that of the world, the selfishness, it produces disorder, like we talked about earlier. And then it goes on to show, here's what God's wisdom produces. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow, a piece of, who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. We see the kind of fruit that comes from relating in humility and that comes from, from wisdom, from God's wisdom. It's pure. It, it helps us to... Um, f- to relate in ways that are peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. These are the kinds of relationships that I want to be a part of, that have those types of qualities in them. People relating in a way that's considerate is just refreshing to be around. But at the same time, in, in our culture, being humble and submissive, that's looked on as being weak. We're told that we need to be strong and assertive in what we're doing. Being humble and submissive, it just looks like it, it's weak and it's a way to get for people just to walk all over us. <clears throat> but that's not really what being humble is. And to get a true understanding of, of what humility is, we need to look to an example found in the Bible. Jesus Christ's example shows us what true humility is looks like philippians 2 3 through 11 says do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but in humility consider others better than yourselves each of you should look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of of others so there it is again talking about humility being the antidote to selfishness selfish ambition but then look what it says your attitude should be the same as that of christ jesus that at the, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Verse seven says that Jesus took on the nature of a servant, and being a called a, a servant in in circles that other than church, it, it's not highly looked upon. Being called a servant at work or or somewhere else, it feels like somebody's belittling us. They're, they're pushing us down to this level of a servant, yet Jesus Christ became a servant. Christ chose to humble himself to serve the people around him. And that, that's not weakness. In reality, that's strength. Serving people means that I look to their interests instead of my own. Like it talks about in verse 4, in that Philippians passage. But that doesn't mean that you just cave to everybody's demands. It means that you do what's best for people. And a lot of times, what's best for people, it's not what they think they need right in that moment. Right now. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give, give an, each give an account of Jesus' life. And they're just full of Of stories of Jesus choosing to serve people. And it gives us a a good picture of what true humility looks like. So I want to look at a a couple of those stories um, briefly this morning. Christ's humility, he took risks. He took risks by relating to tax collectors and sinners. We see a picture of this in Matthew 9, 10 through 13. And it it shows that Jesus didn't conform to, to what was socially acceptable. He related to people that nobody else wanted to relate to. So the tax collectors, they were just they were thieves of the time. Everybody hated them. Yet Jesus chose to serve and love those people. He took risks. The religious people of the time condemned Jesus for doing that, but he took took risks to humbly serve those people. Christ's humility also it, it stood up to wrongdoing. It stood up to wrongdoing by. Overturning the tables when the temple was misused, Matthew 21, 12 13. You don't think of overturning tables as an act of humility. But Jesus was serving the people. He was serving his God. He was submitting to God's rules about the temple. So he humbly put himself under those rules. And when people were trying to sell things and were, were creating the, the temple to be something it wasn't supposed to be, he took action. He overturned the tables. That is really serving people. When you do something that you know they're not going to like, when you know it's what's best for them. And then he also he refused to cave to Satan's temptations. Matthew 4, 8 through 10. True humility doesn't just let people walk all over us. Satan offered Jesus to rule the world. But he refused. And he didn't Cave to those those demands, and then in Christ's humility, we also see it as He submitted to God's will for His life, even death on the cross. We see this in Christ's prayer to God in Luke twenty-two forty-two, where He says, "Father, if You are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but Yours be done." Here we get a, a glimpse. Of Jesus, he's looking at what's about to happen to him. He's about to be betrayed by one of his followers. He's about to be handed over and killed like a a criminal, even though he's done nothing wrong. And he has the strength to say, God, please don't don't allow this to happen. Please take this from me. But not, not my will, but yours be done. That takes... Tremendous amount of strength to submit yourself to God's will for your life, even though you know it's going to cause great pain for you. Selfishness, it, it, it's just, it's easy. It comes naturally to us because there's that selfishness in our hearts. And that's the way that we think it. It's, we just think selfishness it's going to get us what we want, it's going to produce the good life that we want. But in reality, it produces chaos, disorder, and humility gives me the life that I really want. Think of the difference that this strong humility can have in your life. At home, as we look to the interests of the others in the family, you, you start to just develop this tremendous amount of trust and goodwill in, in your family. It's fun to be around. It's refreshing. At work. You can be assertive and confident in your work as you seek to figure out what's the company's goals, what's my boss's goals, and you submit yourself to them. You can be assertive like people think that you should be in your job, as you, but you do it in a humble attitude. Think about the success you're your student you can have in the classroom as you hum- humble yourself, follow your teacher. Submit to their rules, submit to their assignments, and, and do those things. And then think of just the fun you can have with your friends. As you don't have to be concerned, what, what's their angle here on this? What are they trying to get? It's just refreshing to be around people you can just relate and have fun with without being worried. What are they trying to get? My prayer for us this week is that we just reject the lie that selfishness is the only way to get what we want. And we embrace the hum- that humility is really how we can create a good life for ourselves and for those around us. I'd like to wrap up the message today um, by asking you to pull out that connection card. Um, we have some next steps that we'd, we, I'd like to, to offer to you that you might want to take um, in response to the, the message today. So you can pull out that connection card on the back. There's the next steps, or you can fill out any information on the front of that card that um, you didn't get a chance to fill out earlier. And I'd like to ask the band to come up and the offering ushers to go get ready to receive the offering. And you can take that card and, and place it in the offering basket um, as they come around um, in a little bit. Here's a couple next steps you might want to take in response to the message today. The first is my next step today is to evaluate a TV show that I watch regularly and just look for themes of selfishness in it. Um, that might be, that'd be a good step to start thinking through, how can I evaluate the messages of the media, things that are coming at me? Or another next step, maybe you want to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and and just look to see examples of, of Jesus' humility to see how can I apply that humility to my life? Or um, your next step today might be Choose humility in my relationship with fill in the blank maybe there's somebody that you realize you know what i haven 't been relating as humbly as I should in that relationship, so i want to I want to do that today. Would you pray with me as we continue to worship, Lord? we just uh, we thank you for this opportunity to to just come and worship you. We ask for your help. help us, Lord, to um, really evaluate the messages that are coming at us through movies, the media, TV shows. Um, Just help us to to take those ideas and filter them through the way that you see life um, so that we can really build our our lives on things that will last and not things that won't last. Please help us to choose humility this week in our relationships, in our jobs, and, and just in all areas of our lives. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.